The Powers on Sports podcast is brought to you by Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, and Star Alvarado. Enjoy the podcast. Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is To beat the man, you gotta beat the man. The two one swung lane drive right there. One run is in. Here comes Green. Here's the run of the play. This is the Powers on Sports podcast. All right, welcome in Powers on Sports podcast. Appreciate you finding us. It is a late July, leading into August. School's starting here pretty soon for a lot of people. High school football starting here. High school football practice starts here for uh, a lot of teams here in the next, uh, or first to next week. A uh, And the other great thing about the end of July, what that means, it means NFL training camps are underway all over the country from Seattle to New England to Tampa to Dallas and everywhere. And actually, Dallas doesn't practice in Dallas. They actually practice in California, but you get my point. NFL training camps are here. College football training camps for your favorite college football team will be starting here in the next week or so. Uh, with the college guys getting at it again. So fun football is back in the air. You're going to see football coverage every day of the of the rest of the year, all the way now through February, which is a great thing. So lots and lots to talk about here on the Powers on Sports podcast. we got a good episode for you this week. Remember, if you've not already done so, hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. You can also visit us on my YouTube channel on the, at the Jason Powers Sports Channel where you can see all the video interviews that we're doing, including the interview we will have on this week's episode. Uh, you can also uh, hit me up on Twitter at JPO Sports. So if you have any comments, suggestions, and such, um, got a good episode for you. I'm going to give you some thoughts um, and some just some thoughts on NFL camps opening. We got uh, Brian Harmon won the Open Championship. I'll give you a couple nuggets on that. We have Messi's debut with Inter Miami FC, and wow, what a debut it was! Uh, we have a story about Bronny James, uh, and we have some couple college football notes as well. And then we're gonna talk to Chris Perez, former two-time MLB All-Star closer with Cleveland Indians. We're gonna. Talk to Chris all things trade deadline, which is this coming up Monday. Uh, there's already been some uh, news here midweek this week, so we're gonna when we talk to Chris on Tuesday night uh, of this week. So a couple of nuggets that we're gonna talk that we talked to Chris about are no longer relevant. Number one being Shohei Otani's been taken off the trade market is not going to be traded uh, by the Angels. The Angels are actually adding players. Uh, they made a big move on Wednesday night to go get Lucas Giolito, the pitcher from the White Sox, who Chris and I discussed as well. So uh, you'll hear a couple things that uh, Chris and I talked about that uh, 
We talked, obviously, before the news of Shohei being taken off the trade market uh, as well. So, um, But you'll, you'll hear a lot of great stuff. You will hear what you will hear that's very fascinating to me was what does a player go through when he gets traded? All the logistical things of having to move cities, moving from, you know, all the different things that go into be a player being traded and how does he get integrated into his new team and all those kind of things. Chris has some great insights on those topics of, uh, of what happens when a player gets traded uh, in season like that. So uh, you'll, you'll hear from Chris Perez here in just a few minutes about all things trade deadline. We'll, we'll mention players and teams, what pl- teams need to do potentially, what players might be out there and all that kind of good stuff. So you will hear that. So. All right, let's start first uh, National Football League. Obviously, training camp starts has started for everybody. Uh, a couple news notes of the week are Saquon Barkley. They uh, he, he has reported to camp. He got a revised one-year contract. He got a little bit of extra money. I think he, got, he, he could potentially earn somewhere around a million more dollars in the franchise tag. I think the franchise tag is like $10.1 million. And their new deal with the Giants is he could potentially earn up to $11 million or so uh, with a couple of incentives. The Giants still t- still will retain the right to franchise tag him next year. You know, there's, there's been all this talk about uh, running backs and what should they do about their, their value being depressed a little bit and all that stuff. The reality of the situation is for running backs, the long-term, the, the word long-term for running backs is going to be two to three years max. Teams are not going to give uh, 26, 27-year-old running backs four or five-year contract extensions. Um, three years is probably going to be the absolute max. Much more likely common common uh, time frame is probably going to be two years. Um, as far as guaranteed money and all that stuff, you know, it is what it is. Every position kind of goes through this phase. You know, I'm a, I'm a former kicker. I can make the argument, why aren't kickers getting more money? Uh, why don't you know those kind of things? The reason is there's many the supply and demand of kickers and running backs are what it is. Way more supply of quality kickers and running backs and punters than there are the deem the need for running backs. And also, and now, in most uh, most teams around the league, the the running back by committee mantra is the way that most teams go. So they're not giving guys 20, 25 carries a game. Most Top-level running backs are getting 15 to 17 carries a game. You might catch two or three, you know, three or four balls out of the backfield, but you're not getting back in the old-school days. Walter Payton back in the 80s and Barry Sanders and Emmitt Smith. You're not getting guys carrying the ball 25, 30 times a game. Um, you know, is there an argument to be made that running backs could, should make a little bit more money? Sure, but their teams are not going to break the bank for the running back for the running back position. That's just the way it is. Um, it's it's yeah, we'll see if that changes over time, but as the current market is right now, quarterbacks and receivers in the passing game is being way emphasized way more. Less contact, less physical toll, they're going to invest in those guys. Speaking of the quarterbacks, and by the way, as far as running backs, you still got Josh Jacobs who has not signed his franchise tender. I don't think you're going to see Josh Jacobs till about a week before the season for the Raiders. And then Chris Jones, the defensive tackle, and Zach Martin, the offensive lineman, are holding out for Kansas City and Dallas, respectively. So remember, the NFL, there's an automatic $50,000 a day fine for people that hold out that have a contract. So Chris Jones, Zach Martin are getting fined fifty grand a day. That's automatic. That cannot be rescinded. 
uh, by the by the by their respective teams, part of the collective bargaining agreement for every day they hold out. So, we have to see what happens uh, with those two guys as far as how long that goes. As far as signings, you, you saw a couple big deals. Justin Herbert got his uh, five-year extension, quarterback for the Chargers. Um, Joe Burrow will be on deck. He'll be the next big domino to fall the quarterback uh, uh, extension business. Uh, you'll, he'll he'll get his done probably right. I would imagine at some point during training camp here. You also saw Trayvon Diggs for the Cowboys get a big cornerback extension, like five years and ninety-five million, something like that. Um, for the Cowboys, so good for him. And Aaron Rodgers restructured his deal. The, the uh, Rodgers was scheduled to be paid 110 million next year from a salary cap perspective. That wasn't going to happen. He restructured his deal to get a, I think, a full, fully guaranteed two-year, 75 million dollar deal, which is going to save the uh, Jets, or it's going to, it's going to, it's going to cost him. Some real money, about $30 million potentially of real money. But, you know, Rodgers has made a, a, z- a zillion dollars in his career quarterbacking as, as well as uh, endorsements. So that's good for Rodgers for doing that to help the team because now the team is probably going to turn around. They're bringing in Dalvin Cook this week for, for a uh, chat. Don't be surprised if Dalvin Cook signs with the Jets because, remember, Brees Hall, they're uh, really good running back uh, blew out his knee last year, and it's still recovering. And it's not—we're not sure exactly where, how how fully healthy he's going to be come come week one. So don't be surprised if Dalvin Cook is in New York uh, with the Jets here relatively soon. So uh, again, camp uh, preseason games will start not this weekend, but next weekend with the Hall of Fame game, and then the following week the the preseason will get fully underway for all the other teams around the league. So um, we are finally at practice. Practices are starting in your favorite little town with your favorite team. Down here with Tampa, the big story is the quarterback situation. Is it Baker Mayfield? Is it going to be Kyle Trask? Um, I have a funny feeling that if it's even, if it's pretty even through training camp and in the preseason, I think Kyle Trask is going to get the first opportunity. Um, but again, if, if Baker Mayfield clearly is the guy, then he'll he'll win the job. But if I think if it's pretty close, I think Kyle Trask is going to get the first chance because he's a second round draft pick, and they need to see what they have in Kyle Trask. This is year um, this is year three for Kyle, so they need to see if he can play or not. Uh, the Bucks have an early bye week in week five, so if Trask does play and doesn't play well the first four weeks. You could always make the change at the bye week, so that's that's how I see it going. If it's even again, if Baker Mayfield clearly is the guy, then he's going to win the job. But um, the Bucks uh, are that's their biggest number one priority. This this off this training camp is to figure out who the quarterback is going to be and such. So hard knocks will be starting for the Jets here probably next week. I think they're probably filming this week. Uh, I think the first episode typically is the first. I think it's Wednesday nights. Uh, they show them on HBO. So I think the first all first Wednesday in August usually is when they start Hard Knocks. So you'll probably will see some Hard Knocks on HBO Max probably next week. So be on the lookout for that. All right, let's transition to soccer. Uh, Women's World Cup USA played the Netherlands on Wednesday night. 1-1 draw. Pretty good match. Uh, U.S. was down 1-0 early and tied, uh, scored on a header and uh, mid midway through the second half to tie the game, so a good good match there with a draw with the Netherlands. Uh, uh, 
Lionel Messi. If you didn't see last Friday night, he had his debut with Inter Miami. And oh, what a debut it was. A magical free kick by Messi in extra time in like the 94th minute. Uh, wins the game for Inter Miami FC with just a classic beauty of a strike by Messi on the, at the free kick uh, to win the game for Inter Miami. And in his second match on, uh, I believe it was Tuesday night, Inter Miami started Messi at his first start with Me- with uh, with Inter Miami, two goals and an assist, and another beautiful performance by Messi there. Um, so we'll see how much of an impact he can make moving forward. Uh, remember, Miami is, is, was the worst team in the Eastern Conference in MLS, so whether they can make a playoff push or not, we will see. But a glorious start for Messi in his first two matches with Miami uh, Inter-Miami FC. Did you see the story about Mbappe, Kylian Mbappe, the uh, world-class striker, French striker for PSG, got offered basically a billion dollars to go to Saudi Arabia. I think the transfer fee was like $330 million transfer fee and like a $700 million contract for one year. And he good for him for declining to do that. He's not doing that. He's not going to Saudi Arabia. He will end up at uh, somewhere here. There's chatter about uh, will he stay at PSG, potentially go to Real Madrid. Um, so we will see what the future of Mbappe is. Remember the all the... European teams are in the middle of their of their training camp now. You're seeing, if you're watching TV this week, you're seeing a lot of uh, international matches in the United States. The Man, the Man United, the Wrexhams, the Barcelonas, the Real Madrids, they're all playing matches all around the United States in different venues. So uh, most of the uh, European leagues start mid-August. So they got a couple more weeks of uh, training camp, tra- exhibition matches, and then those leagues will get going again in France and England and Germany and all that good stuff. So uh, remember all the matches for the Women's World Cup, Fox Sports and FS1 is where you can find all that stuff. So um, World Cup is progressing. Two matches down for the uh, United States in their pool play. Uh, most likely them in the Netherlands will advance out of the pool play, and then we will see. United States, from what I've seen, will not be the overwhelming favorite by any means to win this tournament. Lots of good teams out there. Germany, Brazil, um, the Netherlands are good. Obviously, the USA is good. So there'll be lots of competition for the United States once they, once they get into the knockout round of this event over in Australia and New Zealand. So uh, tough news you heard. If, if you saw the news, uh, Bronny James, LeBron James's son, who's now the who was the incoming freshman at USC, he had a cardiac arrest arrest event while practicing out at USC this week, and was uh, basically take you know kudos to the USC medical staff for doing for 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 their uh, quick response and doing all the things they needed to do to get LeBron uh, Bronny James to the hospital and stabilize. So uh, shout out to the USC medical staff. Uh, for that, so but tough news for LeBron, LeBronny James. We'll see what uh, the medical diagnosis is, the long-term future of that. Will he be able to come back and play basketball again? Uh, we don't know, but I'm sure. Uh, again, thoughts and prayers to uh, Bronny James and the and LeBron and his the family for that. Nobody ever wants to see a kid 18 years old go through an experience like that. So we will see how that uh, unfolds here in the coming weeks. With Bronny James, but uh, a shout out to him and good luck to him on his recovery. Couple uh, Open Championship. Brian Harmon, the American, wins the uh, British Open. The champion golfer of the world. 
or of the year, excuse me, the champion golfer of the year, Mr. Brian Harmon, wins his first major championship. Really good player. He had led in the last uh, five years. He had led the tour in top 10 finishes. He's a uh, top 10 machine. Really, really good player. Had not won a bunch, but uh, was, was just a very solid player. He's a lefty, like I am, so I have an appreciation for that. Not a lot of left-handed golfers. He actually, he actually is a right-handed thrower and a left-handed golfer, just like me. So that's pretty interesting. Not a, again, not a lot of those people rolling around uh, the world that that hit a golf ball or hit a baseball left-handed, but yet are right-handed. So, uh, cool thing about Harmon was, first of all, he won the tournament by six strokes, which is very hard to do. Two, he's a little guy. He doesn't hit it a mile. He's he's like five foot seven. He's methodical. He's not a huge hitter at all. So good for the for the for the uh, the little guy and the in the grind and, and the guy that doesn't hit it three thirty off the tee every time to being able to win a golf tournament and, and being in such convincing fashion. And here's the great stat for you for the week inside of ten feet for Brian Harmon last week at the British Open at Royal Liverpool. He was fifty eight of fifty nine from ten feet and in. Think about that. 58 of 59 from 10 feet and in. That is an absolutely stunning stat when you really think about it. And I know a lot of those putts were probably tap-ins and lag putts and things like that. But still, from five, from 10 feet and in, he had plenty of seven, eight-footers throughout the week. I think, I think I saw a stat in somewhere around 15 of those between five and 10 feet. He basically was 58 of 59 from 10 feet and in. And that, that's that's the kind of stat that's going to win you a major championship uh, when you combine it with a guy that hits it fairly straight. It doesn't even matter how long you hit it. When you're on the green and you're making everything from 10 feet and in, you're going you're gonna to pick up a lot of strokes on the field. Uh, and he did that. What a job by Brian Harmon. Good for him. So Brian Harmon, first major championship, open champion golfer of the year to uh, – and then Rory McIlroy, again, another going on 10 years now, full 10 years of not winning a major championship. Next major is Matt. This is the last major of the year on the on the tour. So you'll see the FedEx Cup here in the next uh, several weeks start up. And that'll kind of be the, the climax of the uh, PGA Golf Tour. So uh, and we'll see as the as the year moves on how much closer live golf and the PGA come on their settlement as far as the new structure and all that good stuff. So. Those uh, nuggets will be coming out here in the in, in the in the near future. All right, last note before we get to Chris Perez, talk a little uh, college football, a couple of college football notes. One, Colorado heading to the Big 12. They just got approved to go to the Big 12. Remember, they used to be in the Big 12 uh, back in the day, the old the old Big Eight. Um, so uh, Colorado heading back to the Big 12 with Deion Sanders and company. That's the first move of the next wave of moves. Uh, what will Arizona and Arizona State do, potentially? What will Oregon and potentially uh, Washington do at some point with the Pac-12? Uh, wait to hear about the Pac-12's new TV deal. That's going to probably affect what some of these couple of the Pac-12 teams end up doing or not doing. Uh, so, But Colorado back to the Big 12, uh, back to their roots of, of kind of the Big 12, Big 8, old, old Big 8 days. If you haven't seen the documentary on Colorado football and Bill McCartney, it's been out probably a couple years now, but it's a great documentary. It just portrays how Colorado and McCartney took over in the late 80s 
And obviously they, they won a national championship in 1990 and it portrays that whole storyline and all that stuff. But I was thinking about this the other day. Colorado was involved in three of the biggest, uh, most memorable plays of that era, probably in that 15, between the late, between 1990 and 2000, they were involved in three of the most dramatic plays in college football history. Remember, they had the fifth down situation at, with Colorado and Missouri, where Colorado was given a fifth down. The, that year, they won the national title, and they scored a touchdown on the fifth down, which I, if you look at the replay, I don't even think he scored on the fifth down. Um, two, uh, in that same year, Colorado in the bowl game plays Notre Dame plays Notre Dame and Rocket Ismail. And remember, Rocket uh, Colorado wins the game late when Rocket Ismail takes a punt back for a touchdown that's called back on a uh, uh, debatable block in the back. And then obviously later in that decade, Colorado Cordell Stewart hail Mary at Michigan uh, when with with uh, Cordell Stewart to Michael Westbrook the uh, the famous Keith Jackson call in the big house on the last play of the game for Colorado to beat Michigan. So three just unbelievably dramatic plays involving Colorado, that whole that whole uh, era of Colorado football with Bill McCartney. So good documentary if you haven't seen it. Lots of twists and turns in the documentary. A lot of interesting things that you didn't, probably didn't know about that whole uh, Colorado team at that time. So uh, check it out on ESPN 30 for 30s. All right, last thing, college football, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, suspended four games for some uh, violations. It's been several years in the making, apparently, where he bought some food for some recruits and stuff like that. I don't know all the details, but here's the one thing I do know. Harbaugh lied to the NCAA. That's probably why he's getting four games, which what uh, it's a, it's a four-game suspension, but it really isn't a, a four-game suspension. What I can't stand about this is this suspension. The only thing this suspension prevents Jim Harbaugh from doing the first four games is coaching on game day. He can do all the other stuff, all the other coaching Monday through Friday and on Sunday and all that stuff, but he can't actually coach the game on Sunday. Remember, Michigan's playing three uh, out-of-conference games, and one and Rutgers is the fourth game. Nobody's expecting Michigan to be pushed in those three in those four games. So from a scheduling perspective it's not the worst thing in the world i can't stand that a lot that that if you're getting suspended for four weeks like that for four games that you're that you're allowed to coach monday through friday with the practices and run the coaching staff and all that to me if you're going to get suspended you should be suspended from all the activities from all team related activities for whatever period of time it is maybe you don't maybe you suspend if it's i cannot stand that is just a ridiculous rule that they're going to suspend him for the four for the three hour period on Saturday uh, for the game, as opposed to suspending him Monday through Sunday where he can't be involved in the coaching. That's a real suspension. That would be a real uh, penalty. Uh, this this only being suspended for the actual game to me is pretty bad because again, it's just I I, I don't understand that one bit. Um, so, but uh, you know, Harbaugh. Is a prickly guy. Again, he 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 got what he's got because he lied to every he he, he lied to the NCAA. Um, you know, 
everybody can debate their their merit the merits of the NCAA and the infractions committee and all that stuff and penalties being levied to coaches and programs for for illegal stuff. But again, this is very debatable about whether this should have even been you know a, a suspendable offense for what he did. But the lying to the NCAA is what probably got him in trouble more than anything. And you know, I don't have a problem with the NCAA suspending a guy like that when you continuously lie. If you remember Bruce Pearl got in a bunch of trouble for lying. That's why he lost his job at Tennessee back in the day. Uh, but Jim Harbaugh will be suspended for game days only. Game day only suspension for four games uh, starting uh, this year. That was a negotiated settlement. So there will not be an appeal on that. So um, big championship fight out in Vegas this weekend. Uh Crawford and Spence, my guy TJ Reeves out there covering the match. Check out his uh, boxing podcast, TJ Reeves. Um, he'll be out in Vegas covering the Spence and Crawford uh, big guy. I think it's a welterweight. I think that's what I think that's what division they're in. So uh, to my buddy, my guy TJ out there in Vegas covering Spence and Crawford this week in Vegas. All right, coming up, Chris Perez. Two-time MLB All-Star Closer with the Cleveland Indians. We're going to be talking trade deadlines. Remember, Shohei Otani will not be traded. They've taken him off the trade block because they've added a couple players, so they're going for it. They're about four games behind in the wild card hunt, so you're going to hear Chris and I talk a little bit about, about Shohei. So obviously those comments, that discussion happened before the Angels took him off the trade block, so apologize about that, but that's called... Modern modern interviewing, interviewing for podcasts. So enjoy the podcast. You will enjoy Chris Perez. Lots of great insight about the trials and tribulations of players being traded. And we talked, we talked a little bit about the uh, collective bargaining agreement with contracts and such, free agency. And then we hit a lot of uh, who could be traded and where. So enjoy Chris Perez and the remainder of the podcast. Remember, hit subscribe if you haven't already done so. And love to hear from your comments, JPO Sports on Twitter, and all the video interviews on the Jason Power Sports channel on YouTube. Enjoy. And now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market to purchase your first-time home, relocate to the state of Florida, or just purchase that second home or investment property? Well, if so, Titan Home Lending can help you get financing for that new home purchase. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404, and I can help you get pre-approved in less than one day. A pre-approval is critical in order to make that offer on your home. You want to know how much of a home you can make an offer on, and getting a pre-approval will allow you to do that. From an FHA, VA, conventional loan, jumbo loan, bank statement loans, there are numerous loan options out there to help you get into your house of your dreams. You can also renovate. You can do a renovation loan, which will allow you to make home improvements and finance the costs into the loan. So reach out to Titan Home Lending anywhere in the state of Florida for your next home purchase, 205-790-1404. Now a word from our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions as well as Star Alvarado, our realtor here on the podcast. If you have any buying and selling needs anywhere in the Bay Area, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She can help you on the selling side or the buying side of any real estate transaction here in the Tampa Bay Area. From St. Pete 
to Tampa, to Wesley Chapel, and anywhere in between. Reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. And Print and Marketing Solutions, my guy Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located on the corner of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. Todd can help you with all of your print and supply needs. Corporate events, golf tournaments, signs and banners, marketing pieces, color copies, anything in between. Todd is your print and marketing specialist. Again, print and marketing specialist, Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. All right, welcome back. Powers on Sports Podcast. What is that time of the year in Major League Baseball? Wheeling and dealing for these GMs. The fans are screaming, who should we get? Go get somebody. Dump dump salary if you're losing. So we're going to talk about all things MLB trade deadline. We're going to get some of the inside baseball of what it, what it, maybe it's like to be traded or be speculation of being traded as a player. We're going to our baseball analyst, Chris Perez, two-time All-Star closer with the Cleveland Indians. He's been with us all year long, and he is our guy here as we get to the trade deadline. I, I do have to preface this. We're recording this on Tuesday night, so things probably will have happened by the time you listen to this podcast, but we're going to give you a lot of speculation, give you our thoughts on what teams should and shouldn't do. Welcome in, Chris Perez. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, exciting time of year. Uh, you know, the races have shaped up, and now teams can sit back and kind of see where they are for the year. Yeah, yeah. All right, before we get to the trade chatter, I want to get to the all the, the, the last few days and week or so, all the speculation about football contracts and running backs and you know free agency talk about free agency in baseball for those that don't know six years is the number right before you become an unrestricted free agent yes six four years yep so as a player you know you hear all this chat about running backs getting used up before they can be free agents what is the thought amongst the players is six years i mean that's a long time most guys don't make it to the majors till they're probably want 21 22 at the earliest What's the thought of the players? And again, you're you're you are a part of one of the most powerful players associations in all the sports. Why has the players association never kind of gotten that number a little bit lower than six years? Well, I mean, if you look back, you know, back in the days of Babe Ruth and stuff, uh, you know, they were paid whatever the owners wanted. So uh, to get it to where we are today, where you know we got the arbitration plate, you know, system in place, that was a big win. Um, it's just hard. Every time you want to get something, you have to give up something. And, you know, the owners have been trying to get salary caps in the sport since, you know, the early nineties. Um, six years is a long time. I mean, the average major league career, I think it's like a little over three years. Right. Uh, so it is a long time. Uh, fortunately nowadays, I mean, you, you know, if you, if you're, if you're doing well, arbitration kind of takes care of you. Um, you know, me personally. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things that could be changed in the game. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm more for a world draft. I don't understand why, you know, a 16 year old Dominican kid can start his career, but a 16 year old, you know, us citizen can't. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is the Holy grail is to get that free agency. And, and the closer you get, especially you look at somebody like Juan Soto, the closer you get to that sixth year. I mean, even it's even more of a, you know, draw to go to at least test the waters. I mean, uh, you, you put in all that time, you have no, no real rights that you, you can go to arbitration, but you know, it's still within a system. So to get close to that six years and, and actually have a say in what, where you want to go. And, and it's, it's tempting. 
other players, you know, you look at the Rays, they signed a Wander Franco signed a huge deal, right. you know, a, a couple months into his major league career. Uh, that's, that's a little more prevalent in today's game. Um, the especially when the, doing, you see the Braves doing a lot oh, of Braves. that big time. And, 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 you know, it's smart, but I think, you know, every situation is unique and the Braves have drafted some of those players. I, I know the, the Rays drafted Wander, so you, you get to know him a little bit better. Um, you know, other organizations don't want to do that. You know, the Cardinals got a bunch of younger guys that they haven't really locked up. They kind of want to make you prove it to, to, you, to you make it kind of a deal. Um, but yeah, so you yeah. do that back, you back in your before you were there, Cleveland did that big time with Bayerga and Kenny Lofton and Manny Ramirez and all those guys when they were really good in the late 90s, yeah. early 2000s. As a great example, right. smaller market teams tend to extend the guys sooner than maybe some of the bigger market teams, correct? They have to make they have to kind of they have to do that gamble. You know, you can't if you think Wander Franco is going to turn out to be the he was the number one prospect in baseball when he came up, you think he's gonna be a top 10 player in the league you're going to have to pay him in arbitration. You know, if you, let's say he wins an MVP one of those years, now, now you're looking at a, you know, 12, 13, $15 million a year salary. Uh, yeah. You can, you can weigh it out. It also goes a long ways to, to show the player that you are behind them and, and takes that pressure off of him maybe. And, you know, that's why I say it, it usually only happens to, to guys where the organization knows them. You know, some guys, it is a risk, you know, giving them eight years guaranteed. You know, I mean, we, we see it every day around the league. I mean, the Yankees have a long list of guys that they've paid just to not play, <laughs> you know, and, and smaller market teams can't do that. So it is more of a risk for them. You don't see the Yankees doing that. Most of the big market teams, they don't do that. You know, I mean, they don't lock up their Aaron Judge tested free agency last right. year. He's been a Yankee his whole career. Uh, he ended up going back to the Yankees. But still, I mean. The, the bigger market teams, the Dodgers, the, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs, they don't they don't really play with that game because they can afford, you know, overpay. Exactly. They can afford to go through the arbitration process if they're getting that kind of productivity from from the player. Yeah. And that and that that's going to lead us into our conversation here is for age, because, again, the guys like Otani, you got Soto, who's got one year left on his deal. Does that make him more tradable this year as opposed to next year? And. You know, a lot of this stuff is a lot of these guys that are going to be are getting traded this coming up week and week and weekend are getting are in the last year of their deals. They're going to be free. Yep. So that plays a lot into why these teams are going to trade these guys, because you want to get something for them and and all that stuff. So before we get to that stuff, talk about the um, excitement or the nervousness of the trade deadline in a, in a clubhouse. If you're on a good team. Uh, your your anticipation is okay. Is the management going to go get somebody for us? Are they going to get another bat, another pitcher? Are they going to get somebody that might replace me in my role? Talk about just that dynamic of being on a good team in a clubhouse at the trade down versus a bad team where you might be the guy who's getting traded to somebody because other people have interest in you. Uh, I think it's exciting both ways. Uh, I got traded, um, you know, kind of early. I think I was traded second to last week in June. Um, so I was, I was traded kind of early. Uh, but I mean, if you're on the good team or a team that's right there, you know, depending on how your division is, like, if you look at the AL central this year, I mean, you know, it's not the best division, but you know, it's still good to make the playoffs. And once you make the playoffs, anything can happen. So you're on a team like that, Minnesota, like Minnesota is another team, right? They have enough, they have enough pitching to maybe make a dent in the playoffs. So if they make a trade for a hitter, it it can put them over the top. And, And as a player on that's established on the team, that's what you want is a chance. Um, you know, other teams where you're kind of out of it and you're kind of like the Oakland A's, you're kind of your other leagues, you know, shopping list, they go through your team. Uh, it's exciting to get an opportunity to get out of that situation. You know, like 
uh, Fukunami. Baltimore, Fuk- Pittsburgh, yeah, I mean, Baltimore. Colorado, Pittsburgh, Kansas City. Right. Like uh, uh, the guy for Oakland just got traded to Baltimore, the Fujikami guy. Yeah, he. I mean, he he just gained like fifty games in the standings. You know, like that that can only make you more excited to come to the ballpark every day and do your job. So if you're on one of those teams and you may be, I mean, we're we're all human. We see it online. We see the rumors, or you know, your contract situation. Like, right. uh, o- Oakland has Ramon Laureano. You know, he doesn't seem like a guy that could be traded, but you know, he may be a, a fourth outfielder for the Braves or something to to make their you know lineup better in the playoffs. A guy like that, you know, he, he, uh, he's been a veteran. He's been around. It changes his, his you know, it just it can't do anything but make you excited. On the flip side, if you're on a team and, and, and you don't make that trade, you know, I, I think I remember in 2011 maybe in Cleveland, we were like right around 500. You know, nobody was running away with the division and we needed some hitting. And we really basically traded for like AAA guys. And, you know, it, it kind of tells the team like, all right, well, you know, it, this is what we got, you know, like hopefully we get hot but uh we didn't get any support from the front office and and you know those decisions have to be made all along the league especially in a position that you played uh, relief pitching those are the things that you know you you hear all these rumors about a setup guy maybe a a middle reliever maybe a closer there's a couple haters a free agent to be you got a couple guys on some small market teams that have done well guy like david robertson that's been around a long time and been a playoff contender what about the thought of getting guys with playoff experience, how important that is, you know, a guy like Hayter, a guy like Robertson that have played as opposed to a guy who's having a good year on a bad team, but maybe he's never been in a playoff race, a pennant race. And that's somebody like Baltimore. You know, they got the two guys at the back end of their bullpen. One's a rookie Cairo and the other one, Batista is not a rookie, but he's having by far the best year of his career. So do you trust those guys in a one run game in the playoffs? I mean, you have to based on what they've done, but it's always nice to have that, like you said, veteran that's been there before in the World Series, like a Robertson uh, or, or somebody else that's a, you know, a big time reliever. And, and you'll see these these Frankenstein bullpens get get put together here in the, in the next four five, six weeks, all with the goal of getting all, all meshed out by the time October rolls around and you know, if you're, let's say you're the Braves or, or the Rays or the Orioles, you know, you're sitting in the playoffs right now looking like, how do we get better one through 25 or 26 now? Uh, it might be that that lefty reliever that you bring in in the fourth inning of game five that that gets right. you to, over that hump. And you look back in, you know, 2020 or 2021 when the Braves won the World Series, they replaced their whole outfield uh, at the yeah. at the trade deadline. Right. And they, they caught fire and, and it worked out. Uh there's plenty of other instances where it doesn't work out. Like, like the Padres last year getting Soto and Hader and you're like, all right, here we go. We got the stars and it just didn't work out. Um, and that, but that's the risk, you know, as a, as a fan and as, as a player, uh, you know, that's, that's the kind of front office I want, you know, I want them to go for it, trade away all our farm team to get Soto for a year and a half and see what we got. You know, it's, right. it's it, as a fan, it's got, it's exciting. It's, it, it's an invest. The owners are giving an investment into the team and, um, you know, sometimes it works out and, and you look like a genius and, and so, like Anthopolis uh, in, in, in Atlanta. And other times you're just like, well, it's, it's baseball. It didn't work out. <laughs> Especially for these small market teams. When you, to me, when you got a chance in these small market teams and you're in the playoff hunt, you got to go for it. I'm not saying you got to sell your soul, but you got to make a move to go get to. a big I mean, player to fill a need. I don't know how you can look at the fan base in the, in the, in, in the face and say, buy some more tickets when, you know, if you don't, um, you know, every situation is different. Like Oakland's not going to go for it this year. Well, Obviously you're Cincinnati, they're... you're Baltimore, right. you're Minnesota. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, Cincinnati, Baltimore, that you, you see the fans showing up, but you know, it's winning baseball 
especially in those type of cities. I know Cincinnati's had the football side of it for the last couple of years, but Baltimore and that type of a city, it just, it, it's contagious. And you see Orioles hats and, and jerseys when you, you know, go to the grocery store or, you know, go to school and it's exciting. And, and baseball is like an everyday soap opera. So when you're going well, uh, it just, it just draws interest and, and, and the owners benefit from that. So it's, it's nice to see when they, you know, reciprocate the investment. All right, so we're going to get to some players here in just a second. Uh, just a couple minutes here. You're listening to Power Time Sports Podcast. We're with Chris Perez, two-time closer, Cleveland Indian All-Star. We're talking trade deadline stuff. Talk to me about the – let's talk about the logistics of being traded. You said you were traded. Yeah. Talk about – and I don't know if you were married at the time or not. Talk about if you're a single guy getting traded from whatever town to the next town. Go take the audience and the, and the fan through the – just that process of they tell you you're traded on a Tuesday night – what happens next? Yeah, I got I got traded on a we had a Saturday day game and I was actually out to dinner with some family and my I was married. My wife, uh, you know, after the game, it was like eight o'clock. We we're at an Italian restaurant and I get the call from the GM and he's like, Chris, you've been traded. Uh, you know, my first question was like, where? <laughs> and, and then he told me Cleveland and I'm like, OK, uh, what do I do? He's like, well, you know, just come to the field when, to get your stuff. We have a flight for you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m you know, you'll be in Cleveland and, and good luck. That's basically it. I didn't see, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't see any, anybody else of the front office or, or the staff or anything. I went to the field. I, I got my, my bag was, my whole locker was already packed in a bag, picked God. it up, Jeez. got to the airport the next morning, you know, get into Cleveland. They had a car ready to take me straight to the field. And that, that's how it happens. It's, it's a business. And uh, what you do know, you do? Basic, basic living things like who the hell, I mean, obviously you were married. So you probably had little help. Who packs up your apartment in Cleveland? Who gets clothes together for you? And just, if you have a dog, how do you get the dog to wherever he's got to, you know, how do those just day-to-day living things, how does that work? So the traveling secretaries for the teams would play a big role in that. And when you get traded to a new team, obviously they usually put you up in a hotel for a week or so, just to, you know, depending on the schedule and everything, you could be, you know, you could be home for a day and then on the road again for nine days. So baseball, you learn to live, you know, you can get released any day. You can get traded any day. You can get moved up any day when you're in the minors. So you kind of live out of your suitcase. And, uh, you know, until you're established, uh, luckily it was only my second year in the, in the league. So it wasn't like I was, you know, bringing my furniture in for the season. I was still trying to establish my career. And the year before I got sent up and, and down like two or three times. So you just pack a couple suitcases. That's it. Yeah, so it really wasn't that difficult um, for me, for my wife. And, and like you said, the dog and everything, you know, she has to, uh, we had a we had a nice apartment in downtown St. Louis, and, and then I get traded to Cleveland, and now we're living, you know, in a hotel for a week or two, and then we move to like executive housing out in the suburbs uh, for the rest of the season, and oh, it's just kind of like survival. Ask, is that something where yeah. in the last couple of months you're just going to live in a hotel, or do they do they find an apartment? Does the car does the next team help you find a place, or is that up to you? They give you they give you some leads, but it's up to you. Uh, the other team that traded you now, you're still on the hook for that, you know. That, that housing that you had in St. Louis that I had. Break they tried the apartment to rent, lease. You got to break the right. apartment lease, basically. Well, they try to find somebody else to move in there. And if they can't do that, then they pay for it the rest of the season. Okay. So, like, okay. the team does take care of, like, it's all, this is all written, you know, our, our unions fought for these rights. You know, I don't know okay. what exact years, but this is all, you know, when, when they say they're collective bargaining, it's these little things like this that, that yeah. people don't really think affect our work, but it does. I mean, we're only human, you know, uh, one, right. one night I'm in St. Louis and the next day I'm supposed to be in Cleveland and I have a wife and, and dogs and, you know, where are we going to live? Like a whole new city, all this stuff. So, um, you know, they, they do make, try to make it as easy as possible, but I've had teammates that have lived in a hotel their whole, the whole season. 
they just <laughs> they check out they check out when we go on the road and when we come back they're right back in the hotel you know guys that have been released six or seven times or, or you know they're just used to not having roots and, and living out of the suitcase and sometimes doing laundry at the field <laughs> so when you get to that new team in cleveland does did you who's your man was francona the manager at the time no it's actually uh, eric wedge was still there so if Wed does Wedge bring you in front of the whole clubhouse and say, "Hey man, this is Chris Perez, your new guy," or is it you just walk in the clubhouse, find your locker, and start shaking hands? Pretty much, you just walk in the clubhouse. Well, first you go see the manager, you know, introduce yourself, and and have you know, I'm Chris Perez. And it was actually a kind of a weird situation because that year it was 2009, and Cleveland had kind of was that small market team that went for it. They they signed Kerry Wood as their closer. They had Cliff Lee and we, uh, they had traded CC Sabathia the year before, but they still had Cliff Lee and they had some, uh, you know, some, some good hitters still. And they just had a bad year and they were sellers. So they sold. And I was one of the first pieces that came over as a, you know, as a young guy to be part of the new team. So right. all the veterans, they, they were, they were wondering where they were getting traded. And a couple of weeks later, Victor Martinez gets traded and then Carl Pavano gets traded and Raphael Betancourt, who was at, uh, at the end of the bullpen, he gets traded. And, right. and, and so it was kind of a weird situation. They're like, Oh shit. You know, that's a change in the guard. You know, <laughs> like, the first piece got moved and, and uh, I'm next. So it was, it was definitely a weird situation. And, and um, it's just part of the professional experience. You know, uh, Eric Wedge was trying to manage his ass off because he, he knew his job was on the line and he actually right. ended up getting fired at the end of the year. So um it's it's nothing like it and then you're you, you know you're 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 you know you get a pair of cleats and you're like all right here you go you, you know go in the bullpen meet some new guys and you might go in tonight i don't know and, and you know it's thrown to a catcher that you've never thrown to and it's just a kind of a whirlwind but uh that's what the minor leagues are for minor leagues get you ready for that kind of stuff you know i remember getting moved up from double a to triple a and, and walking into a whole new clubhouse uh that was a weird situation too a bunch of salty vets that were getting called up and didn't want the young guys there and Right. Um, you know, you just gotta do your job at the end of the day, you're a professional baseball player, your job is, as, as a pitcher, my job is to get out. Uh, you know, it's, and then one, um, one more, one more thought on that trade process. If, you know, let's say you're the guy who's an established, whatever your role is with the team and a new guy comes in, does the manager tell you, Hey, Chris, we're going to have this guy be the setup guy. And now you're moving to the seventh inning or, Hey, Chris, he's going to be the closer and you're going to be the setup guy. How do, does it, do those conversations happen? Uh, I wish they did. Sometimes, I mean, every manager is different. Uh, you know, Francona definitely was a lot, a, a lot more. He didn't really care about your feelings. Like he's telling you, this is the best for the team. Uh, you know, we're this is what we're gonna do. Other managers, you know, the actions speak louder than the words. So when that, you know, when it's the eighth inning and it's a one run game and and that phone rings and a certain guy gets up, well, that's a statement said right there, right? He's the setup guy. Or you know, if it's the ninth inning and it's a one run game and you're the one warming up, well, you're the closer. Like that's. So the actions definitely speak louder than words. Um, when I was with LA, we actually started the year. We had like three or four closers in the bullpen. It, it was me, Brian Wilson, Kinley Jansen, yep, and yep. Uh, Brandon League. So we had four all-star guys that had been closers, all-stars in the bullpen. Wow, and wow. we didn't have any of those discussions early on in the year. Uh, we just kind of uh, – obviously, Kinley was the was the closer from the year past, so he started in that role. And actually, you know, the, your performance dictates where you pitch. But especially near the trade deadline, when guys are coming and going, does the manager tell you, "Hey, Chris, we're gonna, yeah. you know, we just acquired Kenley Jansen, and he's gonna be the closer." Sorry. Yeah, I mean, the, the, hopefully those those kind of conversations do happen uh, instead of just you know showing up to the field and, and you know not having your name called in the ninth if if that's what you are. Like if Baltimore right. went out and got a uh, Craig Kimbrell or something, you know, 
I would hope they would call in the two guys that have been carrying them all year in the bullpen and be like, listen, this guy's just here to help us out. Your role hasn't changed or whatever it is. Just so you're on the same page, you know, at the end of the day, the goal should be to win a championship. And, you know, you know, if you look at the Batista, he's in line for a big payday now, uh, you know, the kind of season he's having. So you know, it, it can get kind of, you know, that's where, that's where the character comes in. You know, if you have a good team of guys that are all pulling in the same direction, trying to get right. that championship, it shouldn't matter. No, you're dead. You're right. All right. Let's get to some teams and some players and what some teams should do and shouldn't do and all. I'm going to, I'm going to rattle off a list of players and then we'll go through some teams and tell me what you think. All right. Obviously the biggest fish out there, if he's out there at all, we don't know is Otani, <laughs> you know, we, they, they've not said yay or nay. They're probably going to wait till the absolute end of the week to see where they're at in the playoff race and all that stuff. You got Juan Soto, who we kind of mentioned one year left on his deal. The Padres massive underachievers probably out of it. Do they trade them to try to recoup what they had to pay to get them? Bellinger, Cody Bellinger, Dodger. He's with the Cubs. Now you got a team like St. Louis who is struggling Flaherty, potentially Arenado, maybe Paul Goldschmidt, those kind of guys, Robertson and Hader, kind of your two big closers that might be out there. Stroman, who's a good three or four pitcher. He's not a one or a two, probably a three. And then you got a guy like Bednar from Pittsburgh, unknown guy, but he's had a really good year as a closer. So let's talk about some, which of those names are guys that you really think could make an impact? Um, just off the top, uh, I, guys, I think Mike are, are probably going to get traded. Cody Bellinger's on, on the top of the list, probably. Yeah. Uh, you know, he can, he can play first base. He can play center field. He's a lefty bat with pop. He's hitting well right now. He's, he can steal bags. He, he can do a lot for a lot of teams. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you plug him in on, on all, maybe like an Arizona or something, and that lineup really gets lengthened out. Um, right. You know, Otani is obviously the big prize. I just don't see any kind of deal getting done, honestly. I mean, there's only a certain number of teams that actually have the prospects who the Angels would want. And then, you know, if you're a major league team trading for him, like you're not going to give up your number one or two starter in the big leagues for him. Like that just hurts your team. I mean, right. Right. You know, if, I, I, if you're but, Tampa, I, I know we're both here in the Bay area. You <laughs> need a jolt to the clubhouse. You're on a ma major slide. You've never gone for broke before. If you're Stu Sternberg, you've never gone really, really gone for it. Do you sacrifice? I'm not saying the number one or two prospect, but do you give up? three out of the top six or seven guys in a mate and a major league player that can start for them to go get them for two months. And go uh, for it. I mean, it's very tempting. Uh, my only problem is if they had their full team, if they still had Boz and they still had uh, Rasmussen and they still had Springs, I would say, go for it. I mean, this little stretch since before the all-star break to now, they have more holes than just, than just what Otani will fill. Uh, it would say, it, I mean, don't get me wrong. It would send a huge, statement to the rest of the league and the uh, community and they, and they have the pieces to do it actually uh i think they're minor league you know you throw in like a taj bradley as a you know a right. top major league starting pitcher and then they have the prospects in the minors the uh, curtis mead and some other guys down there and they probably would take a ronda who's been yep. tearing up the minors and then they they might even need somebody like a jose siri too right to, to to you know so that's two big leaguers that are you know taj bradley's young but he's got great stuff uh his, his future's bright and in series leaving the team in homers, uh, I think he's controlled for a couple more years too. And then all the prospects. Uh, I mean, you plug you plug Otani into that lineup and that and that pitching staff. And, and here's what he that, could do, I think, from your perspective. Couldn't he be your closure in September and October? 
See that now I've had this debate with my friends uh, because there's no way like he's already doing incredible stuff. There's no way he can do that for another five, six, seven years. It just right. the, the toll on your body is just too much. Um, so I think, yes, that's his future is to be like an ultra bridge guy or, you know, the, the bulk guy after a starter. And then when the playoffs get here, then maybe you start him, you know, four or five innings. But like, I think he would be the perfect guy for that scenario. And then his, his stuff would play up too. He'd be throwing 101 probably for with that inning. nasty slider. Get him for 20 innings, pitches. Maybe two innings, you know, in the playoffs, if you know, a, a bridge guy. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And then who's to say if, if you do that, then you can play him in the field too. You don't yes. just, just have to him. You can play him in center field and let his real athleticism or take play off. First base. Know? Put him at first play base. First base. There's a lot of options he brings to the table. Um, now, other teams that could go for him, uh, uh, you know, uh, I saw yesterday maybe that there was two, two teams that have, you know, kicked the tires on him or, or whatever, like Baltimore might have been on there. I just don't – I mean, whatever team is trading for him, I just don't – how do you – how you can't <laughs> sign him back, right? You're going to lose him. So it's, it's, it's really a two-year rental. And then, you know, if you're the Angels and you don't trade him, then you get nothing for him right, or, right. or or are you going to sign him back? Like, it, I mean, you had him and Trout and Pujols before that and Rendon and you can't make the playoffs. Like right. you can make the playoffs without Otani too. So right, you right. need, you need to get something for him, either a long-term deal done. Maybe, you know, maybe they shock everybody and, and lock him up to a 10 year deal at the all-star break. I don't know, but he, he's, it's definitely very interesting. And if you're the Braves, I mean, I have a, I have a couple of friends that are big Braves fans. They got some, some talented players under control. Oh yeah. Uh, you put him in that lineup with Acuna and Olsen and, sick, and Murphy. Sick. And it's, it, it's, it, and they have big money. Now the Braves are owned by a, you know, they're, they're a Liberty a, media, big exactly. media company, big media company. They're a publicly traded company. Uh, like they have, they have some, some revenues to tap that new stadium draws so many fans now. Right. Uh, it's in, I, I throw them as my wild card. Okay. And now uh, other guys, uh, you know, the, the Bender guy for, for Pittsburgh, he might, he might make the biggest impact in the playoffs. You know, some guy that could come in and, and like, uh, I, I remember the Red Sox got Koji Uehara for that year. He right. was unhittable. He was just right. unhittable. So, uh, you know, the relievers that nobody knows about baseball guys know about them and, and front offices know about them. And the pirates are probably gonna get a couple good players for him. I think I think Strowman could be a guy. Maybe Cincinnati yeah. goes and gets. They need a starter, yeah, a guy sure. like he could be your number two, maybe two or three starter for Cincinnati. Maybe even Baltimore. I think Strowman. he's great. I think you. Th- I think you. If Cincinnati trades for Strowman and they got some guys on the block, India, I heard is on the block, but yeah, I, you know, I don't know if Toronto. You know, I don't know who wants him, but if the Cubs would want him, but maybe it could be a three way deal. I don't know. But you put Strowman on the Reds. I think he's your ace. Uh, you know, right. the, I mean, Abbott's a rookie. Green's a young guy, but but he he you know that's what they need is that guy with the presence that you know he's that gonna, that's been he's around. He's gonna get you to the seventh inning, and he's got a presence about him. You know yeah. he's got he's got that kind of aura ace mentality, which is yeah, those guys could definitely learn from that. Yeah, and, and again, to, to me to me a guy who I think will be a I think will get traded if they make the decision to, to unload his hater hater. Yeah. We, he's got the electric stuff. He's he done does. it in the playoffs before. I know it's, he's not having a great year, but I think if you put him in a pennant race. I think and he's lefty. like him could be electric. Yeah, and he's lefty, and, and and he's been there before. I mean, he just did it last year when he got traded over from Milwaukee. So, he, he you know, the first time's kind of jarring. It is kind of a shock to the system. You want to, you know, impress the, your new team. You know, this team just traded for me, and sometimes you try to do a little too much. So, you know, if he got traded again, which he probably will, I think the Padres should sell personally. Uh, you know, they got a lot of pieces that are 
getting up there in age a little bit and a and of, a lot of payroll they got a lot, a lot of, of payroll a lot of guys are gonna be free agents like Blake Snell is gonna be a free agent Hager's yep. gonna be a free agent um and those guys those guys you, you put a Blake Snell on Baltimore they're they're a serious contender now that I mean Blake Snell's leading the league in the ERA yep. striking out everybody right now yep. you put him he's already pitched in the AL East he's pitched exactly. in the World Series you put him in Baltimore they're they're scary or a place uh, like Texas who needs a or Texas help. yeah yeah exactly there's a lot of interesting uh you know a lot of interesting subplots. And, and before we came on, I said, I'm kind of surprised that stuff hasn't been rolling yet, but now with the third wild card, teams just think they're in it forever. But yeah. uh, you know, if you're a 500 team right now, you're not going to win the world series. But I mean, you look at the two last two years, the Braves and, and um, the Astros Phillies. and the, and the Phillies made it there last year yeah, they, yeah. with 84 wins. So you never know. So it, it puts these GMs in a tough spot. Like, do I pull the plug too early and, and not give my guys an extra seven days the the you know, play it out or do I go for it and, and you know, try to in, inject some life. It, it's kind of at a standstill right now. If you're, if you're the Dodgers, maybe even the Yankees, maybe even, maybe even a Baltimore, do you take a run at a guy like Verlander or Scherzer? They're making a ton of money and they got a ton of money they owe next year, but they've got the championship medal and they, they're they the bulldog number one kind of guy that one of these younger teams probably needs. I think the Dodgers would be more inclined to do it than the Yankees just because they, they're, I mean, their pitches has been decimated. Um, that would make a little more sense. The Yankees, I feel like they're, they're not going to say it. It's kind of a rebuilding year right. um, in, in, in pinstripes. You know, uh, Rodon missed half the year already. He, he just came back. Uh, they've, they're, I don't know. They're making some interesting decisions in New York, just the, the way their team's constructed and, and what they've been, you know, what they've been a doing. A lot of people think Cashman and Boone are playing for their job. They are. They probably are. And, and you know, it's Yankee fans are, are unique and they're, they're used to winning and they're, they're on some kind of the last time they won the world series was 2009. So uh, there's definitely pressure there, but um, you know, I, they don't have their guy. I mean, what, what do you want Boone and, and Cashman to do? They don't have their guy. And, and yes, they should have more depth than that, but you can't replace that. I mean, the way he changes the lineup and the way the pitcher it changes the the pitching attacking him, you know, missing Judge is a huge piece to that to that puzzle. Um, now they're just beat up. Uh, Higashi Yoka's out now, and like they just have they're just it's just it kind of has that feel as like a rebuilding year. I don't think they're gonna go out and, and make that you know sell the farm move to get a two months out of Verlander just to get a wild card. I just don't see that happening. Dodgers, you know, are they gonna win the World Series? I don't, probably not, but the the division's still in there. And uh, when you get to the playoffs, you know, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, they can carry yeah. you. So, uh, you know, Max Muncy hits bombs here and there. They can carry, they can get hot. So uh, it makes more – to me, it makes more sense for the Dodgers to trade and pick up that that kind of payroll uh, for the two-month rental plus what's the next the, year. What, what's the most important thing when these teams are going down the stretch these next two months? Is it managing the bullpen? Is it – I mean, is it just balls to the walls? You pitch whenever you got to pitch? Or what, what's the what's the important thing here – this next month or so to get ready for September. Uh, scoring runs, uh, scoring runs, <laughs> makes, <laughs> scoring runs makes everything easier. Uh, it depends where you are. Uh, you know, if you're a young team like Baltimore, you just want to keep it going, right? You got the mojo. You want to, you want to stay healthy. You don't want any big injuries. You just want to keep, you know, having that, that chemistry being built. If you're a veteran team, like the Padres, they're still in it. They're still in the wild card hunt. Uh, you're telling yourselves, all right, we, we all have a track record. Let's just, you know, we, we still have time. Let's look at the Braves two years ago. Let's look at the Phillies last year. Phillies are getting hot right now too. Let's look at the Phillies. Like we can do it. Let's go. You know, you, it's a it's a little different feeling. It's it's more of kind of like it's put up or shut up time. 
Whereas if you're the younger team, you're just you're just enjoying that being in a competitive game in August and September. Uh, the Orioles, um, they haven't been there in a while, so all these it's, it's new for all these guys. The Rays, you know, it, it sucks. Yeah, go not- for it, Stu. <laughs> One time, go for it, brother. You'll have uh, a new stadium by Christmas. <laughs> they definitely. Uh, I mean, the Rays have been there, right? They've been in the playoffs. It seems like five, six years in a row now. So uh, cash, they're not panicking. Yeah, it sucks. You lost your lead, right? You're up six and a half games coming into July. Now you're down two and a half. It sucks. But if you would have said, you know, going into August that we're two and a half games from winning our division, I think everybody on the team would say, let's take it. You know, I'll take that right now. Um, they have to just start playing better. Uh, that's, that's It's easier said than done, obviously. Uh, they just need to get back to – to you know not not trying to be the guy just just get on base pass the baton kind of a thing uh their pitching's fine they got good pitching bullpen's you know coming around they got Fairbanks has been back for a while uh but they're a type of team that could use I know a couple years ago they traded for Nelson Cruz it didn't really go go our way you know he he did all right but it it didn't put us over the top uh I mean Otani obviously is the cherry on top but he would he would change the whole narrative of the whole of the league really um, going Even there, a guy like but, Soto in Tampa Bay, you could flip him at the end of the year if you had to in the offseason. He has a year and a half left. You could probably absorb yeah. that contract for two months and then trade him in the offseason. That makes sense. The, the way the Rays work, I feel like they're going to make a trade that you don't think makes sense now. And then, like, looking back next year, you're like, geez, uh, you know, we didn't win the World Series, but we got two more starters. You know, like, they just like Jose Siri, they stole him last year from the Astros, and now he leads the, the team in home runs, you know, like. They, I don't know what they do over there, but they, they crunch the numbers the right way. They may even trade back for Snell, you know, like he, he's familiar with the team. I know they had a little bad blood when he left because they got pulled in the world series or whatever, right. but That's, that was my thought. Like, Can you bring him back after what happened? They know him really well. I mean, they, they drafted him out of high school. They know his, his makeup and, and yeah. it is, a, it's a profession. This, you know, it's, it, it, I would say no, just because, you know, I'm with you. There's some bad blood there, but uh, the, the Rays are definitely in need of a move. Uh, I think their pitching's fine. Not fine, but I, I don't think it's going to be on the pitching end. I think it's going to be a hitter. Um, I don't know who. Uh, you know, Bellinger really doesn't fit. We, we don't really need that kind of a right. – we, we have enough of a match. We need power guy, I feel like, a lefty a lefty master guy. Even somebody kind of like a Muncie. I know that he's not on the trade block, but somebody right. like him that, right. that has a lot of pop, like kind of like Brandon Lau, but Brandon Lau doesn't have the pop right now, so – um, just to even out the lineup. And then you guys will start performing. Wander's on a bad slump. Randy's in a bad slump. Uh, they, they lost the, um, the backup catcher is out now, Mejia. Right. Um, so, you know, their depth is being tested. But they, uh, the pitching staffs, I mean, you got, you got Glass now and you got McClanahan and, and Taj Bradley's not bad. Eflin's having a great year. Their pitching staff's fine. Defense is good. Uh, base running, they're being aggressive, getting thrown out recently, but that's how it goes. In the beginning of the year, they were being safe. So yep. Um, yep. they just need their guys to start being their guys, you know? Well, Chris Perez, appreciate the time, man. Great insight on all the ins and outs of being traded and all that, those kind of things. Give me one wild card. Give me a wild card team that's going to make a big move. Oh, man. We're not th- that we're not thinking about. Uh, I, I I feel like the Phillies are right there. Um do the you know, Angels make a move if they keep Otani? I, what 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 would the move be? You know, I like know, right? I don't see anything that puts them marginally better. Uh, no, I don't think the Angels make a move. I think their move would be getting rid of Otani, <laughs> <laughs> maybe a couple other guys. But uh, I'm going to say the Astros are going to surprise you. 
Okay. You know, nobody's talking about the Astros. They just beat Texas last night. I don't know what they're doing tonight. They're only a game or two behind in the West. Uh, they got two of their three starting pitchers on the DL with Garcia and Yorkiti. I can see what if Verlander goes back to the Astros for a year or two. You know, Jim Crane's got money. Right. Uh, they right. won. They won the World Series last year. Uh, you know, the fan base is coming. You know, they're hanging around. Uh, you know, Altuve's on the way Tucker, back. The Tampa guy's killing it right now. Tucker's keeping them in it. Uh, Jordan started taking swings yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Bre- Bregman's been there all year, so I would say the Astros are kind of the wild card and the Blue Jays. Nobody's talking right. about the Blue Jays. Right. Um, they got some money got- up there too. They got some money. They got a great offense. You know, Stroman goes back to Toronto or they right. get a Verlander or something. Now they're, now they're, you know, talked about differently. So yeah, I would say that the Blue Jays and the Astros are two good teams that nobody's really talking about. You know, I mean, the Astros won the world series last year and they're just kind of lurking. So um, those are my two teams in Texas. Uh, you know, Texas, I don't know if they thought they'd be this good this year, but they are. So, yeah. you know, you can't let those opportunities. They've already started. They went for a roll this. So, and Bochi um, ain't getting any younger. It's ain't a five-year plan with Bochi. Exactly. So, uh, Texas could be active too. They're, they're probably they're not in on Otani, so probably waiting to see the chips fall from there. Right. But somebody like a Soto goes over to Texas yep. and, and they yep. can lock them up for a long-term deal or something. Like Texas is a wild card too. All right, man. Appreciate the time and we'll be in touch, bro. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's exciting. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.